Hello, you are listening to Magravin Past and Present Podcasts, a space dedicated to history, art, culture, politics, sociology, anthropology, and many other subjects. In this podcast, featuring Ian van der Molen, doctoral candidate in Middle Eastern and Islamic Studies at New York University, and Talim Resident Director John Davison, was recorded February 7th, 2019. In this podcast, Ian leads a discussion entitled Tuning in to Morocco's Recitational Revival. Ian, welcome to the legation. Welcome back to Tangier. Thank you so much. Uh, Glad we're to happy be here. to have you here today. Likewise, um, happy to be here. Your research, as you've explained it, is concerned with what some people might call a, a recitational revival mm-hmm. in Morocco. What, yeah. Exactly what does that mean? Um, there are sort of a, a number of elements that, um, you know, depending on who you talk to, they might uh, sort of foreground uh, certain certain aspects of it. Um, but uh, the 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 core of it, sort of that that I see and that I focus on in my in my work, is really um, a re-emphasis on on two uh, disciplines, sort of traditional Islamic disciplines that relate to recitation of the Quran. Um, one is uh, one is tajweed, um, which is um, sort of very basic system of rules of pronunciation um, in uh, in in, vo- in the vocalization of the Quran that um, is sort of stand apart from uh, the kinds of uh, melodicization that you often hear in public performances, but are still um, you know these these rules um, are still very important in terms of how. Uh, every individual syllable even is uh, sort of pronounced. Um, and then the closely related discipline uh, of studying the seven canonical recitations or qira'at. So there's um, seven or ten, depending on who you talk to, but usually it's seven um, sort of coherent, uh, distinctive ways of uh, reciting the Quran sort of from from front to back. And and there's they can be uh, traced historically to um, seven um, reciters who were alive during the second century Hijri, um, second Islamic century. So um, there's been uh, as as it's been told, the Moroccans were um, in in centuries past very uh, involved in in this, produced a lot of work on it, um, developed their own sort of pedagogical styles for uh, learning the the seven recitations, um, and but that has kind of waned in the last half century or so, and so there has been an effort to kind of bring that mm-hmm. back in in the uh, religious sphere in, in Morocco, and and also you know this is tied into um, one of the variant. Uh, recitations uh, is known as Riwayat Warsh, and that's um, sort of put forth as the recitation that Moroccans have been favoring for uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so there's also been an effort to um, spread knowledge about the, uh, the different recitations in general, but uh, Riwayat Warsh mm-hmm. in particular, um, to more of a, a mass public. So there's both this sort of specialist uh, trend in terms of studying the Qira'at and then an effort to um, you know, popularize this knowledge um, to, a, to a wider public. How did you become interested in, in this particular topic? 
Um, it was, it really was a long, uh, kind of organic in some ways process. Um, you know, I have a background in music, but, uh, was not, you know, worked as a, as a music journalist for a number of years before going back to graduate school. Um, but wasn't initially interested in, in musics of, of the MENA region. Um, you know, I have become interested over time, but, uh, at first, I, 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 what I was interested in was sort of this growing field known as sound studies. Um, that's really, uh, you know, the last 15 years or so, um, scholars in a number of fields are, are, are trying to, you know, put forth this idea that um, so much academic work is for, uh, focused on language. Um, but at the same time, uh, sound and other sensory ph phenomena in, are crucial to our world and, and worlds and, and, and how we sort of understand them. And, um, and uh, with regard to sound, you know, there's, there's also been uh, an effort to look at um, sound mediation technologies, recording, amplification, um, as being crucial to kind of a historical process of how we sort of come to know um, our surroundings through sound. Um, so that was kind of the basis of it. And, and I think, you know, I went through some, some stages of trying to put together a kind of, a uh, a project around sound in, in Morocco. And it was just kind of organic that I kept coming back to, uh, examples of Quran recitation and noticing, you know, this emphasis on Riwayat Warsh, um, giving sort of a, a, a distinctive, um, flavor, if you will, to, to what goes on here in Morocco and, and, and also to, um, in keeping with this kind of sound studies literature to really put recording technologies, uh, front and, and, and center something that I felt that other ethnographies of Quran recitation hadn't really done mm -hmm. uh, before. So the, the, the two, the two, for, the two, uh, disciplines that you mentioned the kiraat and the tajweed could you give some examples uh, for our listeners about what that entails and and uh, and how uh, how you examine those disciplines sure um so i i um like i said uh, you know the the kiraat is it primarily associated with a very um kind of specialist class of of scholars um, and one of the places where it's um, really coming to the fore is this new institution. I think it was founded in 2014, um, the Ma'ahed Muhammad al-Sadis, al-Qira'at wa Dirasat al-Qur'aniyya, which is you know, the Muhammad VI Institute for Quranic um, readings and, and studies. So they have they have uh, sort of two tracks in a sense. One, the the dirasat or study track um, is in you know concerned with um, uh, exegesis, um, interpretation of the Quran. They would include um, hadith studies and that kind of thing. But the qiraat track is really specifically for um, learning these how to recite in these seven uh, specific ways. Um, <clears throat> and there's um, th there's a specific way that they that they do it, where um, they the Quran is sort of divided up into um, into sections. They're 
even shorter even than a verse. Mm-hmm. Um, they're called waqfat uh, uh, in the plural or waqf um, in the singular. And, uh, and, and the, the idea is to recite every single variant within a waqf before moving on to the next one. So you have this kind of, um, I'll, um, we, I have an audio example to, to mm-hmm. share of this, um, but there's, a, there's sort of a, a repetitive rhythmic sound to it where you hear um, different variations of the same word kind of cycling through run one right mm-hmm. after the other. Who, who are the students? Uh, could you give a, like a profile of a, of a student at one of these uh, institutes? Um, yeah, they're they're in in general they're so it's a, um, a kind of a higher institution for so many of them come with uh, bachelor's degrees um, for example they tend to be you know mid twenties um, to early thirties not not much older I would say mm-hmm. um, and and they they come with kind of a variety of of backgrounds in terms of this field. Um, uh, you know, some of them studied in traditional kutabs, so they, you know, received their training in, in um, memorization. They all come with, um, I should interrupt myself, they all have the Quran memorized. That's one of the wow. primary conditions for this. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I, I won't go into all of the details, but it really became clear to me getting deeper into this how necessary that mm-hmm. was actually to um, the practice. But, um, but, but so they, you know, they, they receive that training, some from kind of traditional Qutab uh, schools, um, you know, studying with a, individually with the sheikh, writing on the traditional writing board mm-hmm. or luha. Um, some of them <clears throat> um, may have gotten similar training through the, uh, what the, the, uh, Ministry of Religious Affairs Ta'alim uh, al-Atiq system, so which is a sort of system mm-hmm. of uh, traditional Islamic education um, that's administered by the state, and um, others through sort of less formal means. Mm-hmm. I one one of one of my um, one of my uh, uh, interlocutors is. Um, you know, he he talks about having been really interested in Andalusian music through all of his youth, and kind of came at Quran recitation that way through the kind of the melodic side of it, and um, just realized that if he wanted to go deeper in this, he had to memorize the Quran, and so he didn't do anything else for seven months, uh-huh. uh, and that was it. He claims that he memorized the whole Quran in in seven months because he just didn't do anything else but that. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. So you you have a recording of an example for us? Could you uh, introduce it? Yes. So this is um this is a uh, a, a recitation um, that one of the students. It's actually from the classroom. And it's sort of specific to the classroom, this way of reciting. Um, and one of the students um, recorded this for me. And this is a, a section, I, I can't quote the exact verse, but it's a section Ya 
So that's, that's one person, lead, I don't want to say leading, but that's one central voice and then a group, a group reciting at the same time. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the, 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 the effect of sort of the central voice is, is mostly just, um, you know, a, a, a product of the, the recording itself. So the okay. one student in the, in the class is sort of recording it on his phone. So I think his voice is the loudest. Um, it's really... Uh, it's all of the students together in the class uh, reciting uh, this this section together, and the 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 group the this aspect of reciting as a group is somewhat incidental to to the practice. Um, they you know the students say and teachers say that that the 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 root of of the practice is still the student reciting in front of the teacher. Um, but there are there are some there are some ways in which um, it can be advantageous. Um, you know, you might hear on the on the recording that I that I just played that the that some of the voices sort of drop out at different times, or you it actually kind of foregrounds the the differences um, and in a sense can highlight mistakes that that students are making. So, um, as one student put it, if they you know if the sheikh hears a Here's one voice in the group that's sort of um, repeatedly lagging or, or or weaker in some way. They, he, you know, he may um, decide to signal, you know, single that student out um, to recite. Um, but it's also, uh, you know, there are, there are, there are also other practices that that go into this um, that. Uh, that I don't know how deep, how detailed yeah, you right. want me to get into this. No, but, go on. Um, <laughs> so the um, the this this type of reading is is associated specifically with a um, a, a Maghrebi or or a, uh-huh. a, you know a Moroccan or West African style of of pedagogy. Okay. So um, in terms of you know, the, the ordering of these different variants um, within each uh, waqfat, as I right. talked about before, um, the, uh, in, in, in uh, the contrasting Eastern style or mashraqi style, um, the order is always relatively the same. It always starts with the same variant and then, um, you know, continues with the ones that agree with that variant and then and then the mm-hmm. ones that differ. In terms of this Maghrebi style, um, the order changes every time because what, what they're uh, looking for is to be able to go through all of the variants in the shortest amount of time possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that actually requires changing the variants because the text of the Quran changes. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so that, you know, that makes things very, um, complicated and, um, they, there's a, a kind of writing practice, um, that developed alongside this historically, um, sometime most likely in the 17th uh, century of writing out kind of a, 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 a s- symbolic or coded system mm-hmm. or a script almost for, 
um, for keeping track of these uh, variants where they write um, sort of the first um, uh, first uh, word or so of each waqf and then um, a series of symbols, each one of which relates to or, or symbolizes one of these variants. Um, it's it's an, you know, an, a standalone Arabic letter um, right. for each uh, for each variant. Um, and those are called rumuz uh, or sort of the codes, right. uh, if, if you will. Um, and, uh, and, and so the uh, in, entire texts can be constructed out of this that are called, uh, the text is called a ramzia. Um, and so it, it shows, you know, the each waqf or, or where the variation starts and then the order of, of variance. And so during the class sessions, the students also um, also write out one of these kind of uh, together on the on the blackboard mm -hmm. uh, or the whiteboard it is actually yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and uh, and and so that's that's sort of interesting to see that interaction between um, this writing practice and and the recitation practice so with all of that kind of complexity and, and difficulty and the time, the classroom time that it takes to, you know, construct this ramzia on the whiteboard, um, they they often resort to this uh, group recitation, um, just kind of to save to save time. Save time. Yeah, <clears throat> but 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 like I said, you know, there there is a certain way in which yeah. it can still highlight uh, mistakes even in the group situation. There. So. Now you've, you're talking about how this is a revival. This is mm -hmm. something national. Uh, inside Morocco, how does what you've studied fit into the larger picture of the revival of Quranic recitation in Morocco? How does your research and this particular, mm -hmm. these institutes, how do they fit into that? I, I think um, uh, at least in terms of, you know, the Mahed's role, uh, sort of broader uh, social role, it's still a little bit, um, a little bit undefined, sort of how uh, you know, because it is such a specialist practice. Um, but I think there is a certain sense in which, um, uh, you know, there's, there's an effort, for example, through, um, through mass media, new, um, radio stations and, and religious television programs that kind of mm -hmm. focus on, on Quran recitation, focus on rules of Tajweed, um, there's been an effort to, to kind of popularize um, knowledge about the seven qira'at, popularize knowledge about Morocco's adherence to Riwayat Warsh. Um, and, and I think um, the, the notion is that um, graduates of, of this program um, would be, um, you know, would be kind of uh, stewards in a way right. of that, uh, of that Kind of more public dimension of the of the revival, but yeah. mm -hmm. but there, but there you know it's it, it it's it's important to to kind of I think emphasize that this is one of of many institutions, right. um, and so you know one of my other field sites for example is this other school um, uh, just across the river in in Saleh, um, Madrasat Ibn Al Qadi Al Qiraat. Um, so it's the Ibn, Ibn al-Qadi. Ibn al-Qadi was a very important scholar from the, I think, uh, 17th century um, in, this, in this field. So the school has been kind of named after, after him. And, um, 
it's uh, it's supported um, by a of uh, a, a jamaiya or a public foundation, mm-hmm. um, and it's um, it's known it's actually known globally because of uh, its head sheikh Muhammad Sharif al Sahabi, who is um, you know somebody that that attracts students from. Uh, he, he's a specialist in this kind of Maghrabi style of, of, of recitation of, of the Qira'at and attracts students from all over the world um, who who want to be, uh, you know, who, who want to um, to specialize in this. Um, you know, their, their kind of uh, system of accreditation is, is very different. Um, you know, at the Ma'ahed, you would get uh, a, a, an official shahada or sort of diploma kind of equivalent mm-hmm. of a master's or do- doctorate. Um, for somebody who studies with Sheikh Sahabi, um, you know, they, once they've completed their training, they uh, recite, you know, a section in, in all the seven qira'at in this specific um, way, and they get uh, what's called an, an ijaza, which is kind of a more traditional form of uh, kind of bestowal of, of scholarly authority. It's really one sheikh saying to a student, you know, you are now authorized to uh-huh. kind of teach this, um, uh, teach this specific practice or, or, or discipline, so... And they use technology. You mentioned that you, your part of your initial interest was that was about sound and sound technology. Technology and media are being used in these institutes. Yes, um, especially at, at this particular uh, madrasa. So they um, they actually have a recording studio on the campus uh, of the school. It's it's right next to the director's office. Actually, <laughs> when they're when they have uh, sessions in the studio, you can you know hear them going on in the director's office. Um, and they're working on this uh, project to record, uh, make a, a recording of the entire Quran um, in uh, in the seven qiraat according to this Maghrabi style. Um, and so this is a long um, kind of uh, painstaking process. They're doing it with one reciter, so very different from this group kind of recitation that we heard earlier, um, but they're doing it with this one uh, particular reciter who's, um, he's a graduate of the Mahad that I, that I mentioned, um, but he's uh, currently continuing his studies with, with Sheikh Sahabi, I believe, um, but he's, he's also, so he has that kind of disciplinary grounding, um, but he's uh, been, uh, he's gone to international recitation festivals, um, he's won top prizes at, at many of them, um, and his, his sort of in his other background, he, he studied um, the musical modes or the melodic modes with um, uh, Sheikh Mohammed al-Turabi, uh, based in Casablanca, who's kind of one of the, the most well-known um, teachers specifically in melodic modes and how they relate to Quran recitation. So he has... He's kind of like the complete package, as 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 we might say, mm-hmm. and so the recording is is um, it's this really amazing and interesting kind of hybrid where the the all of the variants are there in the same method of ordering uh, that that's in keeping with this Maghrabi pedagogy, 
um, but with this incredible expressiveness mm -hmm. and melodicism and um, so uh, you know that that demands a, a certain kind of level of perfection that um, really makes the project kind of a uh, this really um, kind of painstaking requires a lot of attention and, and precision and um, there's you know multiple stages to to the process from sort of um, initial tracking to review by the sheikhs you know the sheikhs listen to multiple kind of edits and and versions of it and um, they correct mistakes over and over again and so that's that's a very interesting kind of application i think of, of the recording technology uh -huh. to this discipline and will help in the expansion of the knowledge and the transmission of the knowledge yes yes indeed um that's really the purpose of it is is kind of as a reference tool for for future students mm -hmm. um and you know in a certain sense a new kind of level to which to aspire because as i as i mentioned you know there's all of these this amazing melodicism and expressiveness in it um, that you wouldn't necessarily find in a Qira'at classroom. That's great. Now, you've, you mentioned Rabat and uh, Saleh. Is there anything happening here in Tangier? Well, um, it's interesting. There's, uh, there's actually, um, you know, I mentioned this, this uh, Ta'lim al-Atiq system of education um, uh, under the state direction. And um, there's... Uh, a school that's in that network um, called the Mu'assasat Aisha Um Mu'minin that is uh, a school for Quranic studies specifically for women. Um, and uh, I, I haven't um, gotten to spend a lot of time there, um, you know, attend classes or anything like that, but, but I've spoken to some of the teachers there and um, it's amazing. I was really amazed when, when I visited them at how kind of welcoming they were um, to me as, as a researcher. Um, and, uh, and, and I think um, both sort of the, the existence of, of this school um, and, the, and, the, uh, and how welcoming they were to me and how eager they were to, mm -hmm. to talk um, is kind of evidence of... Um, just how much, uh, how much of a bigger role women are are beginning to play in this in this field? Um, not just you know um, in Quran recitation or tajweed or qira'at studies, but kind of the larger religious sphere um, generally. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you, a lot of your obviously a lot of your research has been field research. Mm -hmm. uh, I imagine more than archival research. Any surprises, pleasant or otherwise, in doing the work here? Um, quite a lot. I mean, <laughs> that's that's just the, the the name of the game when it when it comes to to field work. You know, um, I think as we've been talking about, a lot of the institutions that I've been doing work in are um, kind of connected to to the state. To you know, they they're sort of under the Ministry of Religious Affairs umbrella, and so. Um, you know, like like any state institutions anywhere in the world, there's certain kind of bureaucratic processes to, to go through, and and sometimes difficult to know. You know, there's there's a process of learning. Um, you know, who has the power to grant you access to certain things and mm -hmm. who you need to talk to. Um, I think, uh, 
you know that that sort of relates specifically to um, to those kind of institutions. Um, at, at Ibn al-Qadi, you know, the, the Madrasa in Saleh, because they're sort of um, a, a private institution, it's been a little bit different. They've been, um, you know, they were incredibly welcoming in some ways, um, but also very uh, sort of um, interested or, or quizzical about my own religious identity and, and how sort of I come to this project. Mm-hmm. Um, this was particularly the case in dealing with the, the sound engineer here, there who became, you know, we, we became kind of um, cl- close interlocutors in, in a mm-hmm. way because um, I was so interested in, in the technology and, and his work there. Um, you know, but, but, uh, but I think, you know, and, and I tried to be sort of open with him about the fact that I'm, I'm not Muslim. I haven't necessarily converted, but, you know, back in New York, I have friends and loved ones who who are muslim and mm-hmm. i fast with them during ramadan and even mm-hmm. attend mosque and and obviously you know as part of my uh, studies and research i know a lot mm-hmm. about islam and the history and and principles and and all of that um and uh but he still you know was very open with me about having doubts also as to how i might be able to kind of uh, represent this this work that mm-hmm. they're doing in the school, um, not being not being a Muslim. So, I think that was that was very interesting and just um, uh, added to, you know, it added a certain tension to our relationship, but also depth to the mm-hmm. to that field work experience as well yeah. on a personal level. Um, the last thing I would just mention really quickly is is language has been <laughs> kind of interesting because, you know. All of us at American universities, we, we, we tend to start with fusha, with the you know classical Arabic or modern standard Arabic, um, and then move on to the dialects. You know, for those of us who want to do field work, um, it's you know it's really necessary to move on to, to the dialect. Um, and so I've I've had to kind of learn the local dialect Derija somewhat on my own. There weren't a lot of uh, programs for that um, back home where I was uh, studying. Um, But what's really interesting here is because I'm working with so many religious scholars, they are also still very comfortable in in Fusha and very willing to um, kind of, at least in interviews or informal conversations on the side to interact in in, Mm -hmm. in Fusha. but I was really surprised by how much Derija was still used in the classroom. Really? And so um, the, the, it would lead to these um, sort of situations where, for example, in these Qira'at classrooms, you know, you have the, the topic is so specialized and there's a very, um, not just sort of fusha, but um, we would say in Arabic, like, uh, Mustalahat bzef, like a lot of technical term, terminology in it, um, and uh, and but but all sort of discussed using derija. So uh-huh. you get this weird hybrid of of derija and very complex sort of formal Arabic terminology related to the discipline. To the same. <laughs> um, so that that is uh, that that has been been a very interesting uh, challenge um, to to kind of. To kind of grapple with, but great. So, what's next for you? 
Well, it's, you know, I, I'm sort of nearing the end of, of my research tour here um, and, um, and need to, you know, get on to writing the dissertation. That's obviously um, front, and, front and center. Um, and that will, you know, bring together this um, field work that we've been talking about along with, I have another field site um, of, the, of this radio station, Idat, Mohammed Asadis. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a program on Tejweed where I, that I've been sitting in on and um, looking at not just sort of the, um, the, the pedagogy that happens on the program, um, but also sort of the technologies again mm-hmm. in how the, the program is, is produced and broadcast. Um, and, uh, and then bringing that all together with uh, some historical work, trying to look at the history of this discipline uh, again, you know, because there, um, there is this whole history with the, you know, the practice of writing the Ramziat is centuries old and, and the origin of these different Qira'at goes back to, you know, the beginning of, of Islam, really. So um, I, I'm hoping to kind of bring all of that uh, together in, in the dissertation. Um, but there's, uh, there's in any one of these kind of avenues, there's, there's so much more that can be examined, um, in depth and little things that I've come across in my research that are, you know, just a blip, but I could see turning into something, you know, um, um, bigger, um, just to give sort of one one brief example, um, when I was doing archival work in Paris, I came across this mention in a um, in a uh, French uh, newspaper, French language newspaper about the radio production here during the colonial period, and um, there was some just very brief mention of. Um, uh, Muslims from the um, areas under British protectorate, that the British government was actually sponsoring people from the British protectorate zone to go to Europe to study sound engineering because they thought that it was important to have Muslims who were trained in this um, to come back and work in like British radio stations. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's uh, that could open up onto, you know, all other sort of avenues of kind of the origins of ideas about, you know, relationship between religious identity and use of sound mediation technologies. And, um, you know, that in a sense, application of these technologies may not be so universal, you know, yeah. and, and, and as deep can be sort of deeply cultural in, in, in a certain way as well. So we'll see, you know, where, where it all leads, but, um, I'm uh, excited to, you know, finish up here and, and get on to, to writing the dissertation. Well, good luck with the writing, and, and we hope your research brings you back here and back to Tangier also. Thank you so much. I, I, I hope so as well, and and just want to, um, you know, th- thank you for, for hosting me in this and, and, and doing this, and um, and to, to Ames, really, also for, for all of the support for, for this research, too. So. Thank you for listening to Maghreb in Past and Present podcasts. Other episodes are available on our website, www.themaghrebpodcast.com, as well as on iTunes and Podbean.